Welcome to the Scarleteers podcast, where we talk about our favorite show, Miss Scarlet and the Duke. Welcome everybody to the Scarleteers podcast. Welcome. Yes. (laughs) This month we are talking about Moses. Just Moses. I mean, and Isabel, could you introduce our guest? We have a guest for this month. Yes, of course. Um, I'm really super excited that we do have a guest. This is the first guest we have on our podcast, and it's Amanda Ray Prescott. Woohoo! Yay! Welcome, welcome, welcome Amanda Ray. Yeah. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. Um, Amanda Ray is freelance entertainment journalist. Yeah, and <laughs> she's an anglophile she loves uk television and she writes for den of geek the doctor who magazine uh gbh drama club and she's appeared on several podcasts and i'm really excited that she can now add the scarlet Tears podcast to her list in her free time, she likes to cosplay in period drama costumes. I saw pictures. They look amazing. And mm. she also <laughs> likes to attend Doctor Who conventions, which I love because I'm a huge Whovian. <laughs> and you can find her on social media, on Twitter and Facebook, and follow her and follow her discussions because she's a huge advocate of racial diversity, especially in period drama, which makes her perfect, perfect guest for our podcast today. Yes, welcome, Amanda Ray. We're excited to have you. you. Yeah, I am excited. I'm excited yeah. to like, dive into Moses because it's been a couple months since PBS aired Miss Garland Duke. So I'm excited to hop back in. We wanted to talk about Moses. Okay, so who is Moses in the show? Um, Lindsay, can you give us a few examples of what, or tell us a little bit about Moses? Moses, I suppose when we first kind of meet him, we're not entirely too sure how how he's going to be. But uh, as over the course of the six episodes, he kind of becomes Eliza's friend, I think. And, you know, he's he's a bit of a, a security man. He He's a bit of a kind of debt collector he's a bit of a man of information he maybe doesn't always play on the right side of the law but we we don't know this you know this is purely just a bit of assumption um but I think uh, deep down he he's he's a good he's a good guy he's gonna look after Eliza and I think he's definitely somebody that is gonna be a good person to have on her team and we all love Moses let's be honest mm-hmm Amanda Ray, tell me about your first impressions of Moses when you first saw him on screen. When I first saw him on screen, it was we're talking mid-January of 2021. I know time is weird right now. Oh yeah. I had, I had the press screeners and I was sort of my first impression was like, oh wow, um, we have a black guy in London in London and return London. I'm like, okay, it's interesting, but I realized he wasn't at that shady looking bar slash brothel I'm like hmm is he on the right side of the or the wrong side and I wasn't really too sure about where the story was going and then at first I was like I start watching tomorrow I'm like okay oh he's hanging out with the criminals he did something illegal I wasn't so happy about it 
But I was like, okay, you know, let me give this show a chance. Maybe there's some redemption arc, or it may not be what we initially think. And I was proven correct by that to just hang on and like see where they're going with this. And realizing that the reason why Moses initially you don't trust him is simply because he's sort of he's an outsider in society, and it's obvious that he's facing various forms of discrimination. And the only way he can get work is with these sort of under the table bouncer type employment and he has his own agenda but at the same time he also realizes that the people he's working for or people he's around are really not great people so his helping Eliza is like one of the first people to like real like you know see him as a person and not just as a thing or an object for their own purposes so that my impression improved over time I was sort of when I'm watching UK period drama or just UK drama in general, I'm always a little leery when I see a single character color because sometimes it's really obvious when writers aren't thinking about these issues when they're writing versus when some thought was put into it and also some like research. Not so much on plausibility, but just anything within the universe to show that can explain what's going on in this and like what's going on with the character and then we get to see Moses story initially was that you know he came came to England like around the 1840s 50s and you know his dad was still on a slave ship that would have been close to accurate because people don't realize that just because they said slavery was supposed to be over in like 1808 that date people were doing underground like way after and Jamaican independence is around 1831 to three, 1833 around there. So yeah, it, the his story tracks with Document Record, which is nice. And you get to see what I like too about Miss Scarlet overall, not just Moses, is that we're seeing a little bit more of the working class element. Because a lot of times in the Victorian dramas, we're only seeing the folks in the big houses, and we're not seeing enough of you know normal everyday people. Like Moses feels like a real character like he feels like real character also like somebody who really could have been around at that time in 1880 London so I'm glad at my first impression I was a little wary but then by the end of this by the end of the season I was hooked on him I was hooked on his story and I was really appreciative that even I would like to see more characters of all but at least we have a good start I mean future episodes can probably bring some more people in either you know case the week or maybe Moses might find some more friends or people to hang out with who knows so yeah I my first questions were definitely I'm glad I stuck with it because at first I was like "Eh, not so sure but it was a good payoff at the end yeah you're how you said like he is that stereotype of he's that big scary black criminal he's doing shady underhanded dealings it's because that's really all he can do to survive there's not really anything else he can do in that world he's been shoved into we don't know his backstory so we don't know how he got there and what else he could do but to me it seems like that's the easiest way to do stuff eliza kind of believes the first impression of oh he's a criminal I don't think she sees him as big and scary because she fools him. He uses that stereotype of 
oh, you small lady, you don't want to fool with me. I'm this big, scary criminal. And she uses her own stereotype of, you know, oh, I'm a woman. I'm going to use my, you know, ways with you, trade with you, my wiles for yours. And she fools him and handcuffs him. And so it's stereotype for stereotype. And in the end, she does see, and she quickly sees the honest man in Moses. And it's nice to see that Rachel wrote that there's a stereotype, but that Moses is this honest man who uses these stereotypes for his gain. You know, because you see that when he uses the debt collecting, you know, he uses that stereotype of, oh, I'm this big, scary man, this big, scary criminal, give me Eliza's money. But he doesn't take any money from Eliza. He doesn't, at least to this point, he's not treated her badly, stolen money from her. He's helped her whenever she's needed help. It's nice to see. Rachel has created this character. It would be nice to see more people of color in you know the second season, but it was nice to see that it wasn't just Moses in this underhanded CD world when the counterfeit bills are found in his room. You know, Moses is smarter than that. He's not going to keep the bills in his his room. I don't know why Scotland Yard, you know, immediately thought, oh, this man's guilty. He has money because Moses is smarter than that. Moses is time after time evading Scotland Yard. He's, He's street smart. He's wily. He's clever. And he's also kind to Eliza. And he doesn't have to be. And for some reason, he has taken a shine to Eliza because She has gumption and she has just this will to get her way. And I think he sees some sort of like kinship with her that he needs to do what he needs to do to survive. And she needs to do what she needs to do to survive. And so he's willing to help her. And he's towards the end, he's standing up to William and saying, I'm going to help her and protect her. And there's nothing you can do about it. That's fine. So far, he's trustworthy. And I hope there's not going to be a point in like season two or following seasons, um, knock on wood, where, you know, there's got to be a point where he has to choose whether he needs to betray Eliza or not. So, It was really nice to see quickly the first impression that, oh, he's this big, scary guy in the club to even the first episode, we see that, oh, he's not as scary as we think. So it was really nice. Yeah. Yeah, my my final impression of Moses after seeing all that, I was like, okay, wow, this is a character that isn't going to be a one-note plot device, like, we're probably going to see more of his life, his, you know, f- whatever he's going to do in the future. Hope maybe, maybe Eliza takes him on as a second assistant or something. And that to me, that to me was 
that promised like more. It was like, oh, it, that, that helped. That helped me. It helped console me. But at the end, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's, more, there's no more. Now. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, it was, yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah, Maybe. why do we have to have a person of color who's a criminal? Oh, okay. Yeah. He's more than that. It's just a front. He may be this, but he's like an onion. He has many layers. So, yep. yes. Isabel, what was your um, impression of Moses through this? Um, everything you said already said, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but I also love that it took him like two seconds to see uh, Eliza's true value and uh, her talent. Um, I mean, we can see William struggling to accept Eliza for who she is uh, throughout the entire season, which is only six episodes, but still. And William knows her for so long since they were both children. And you would think that William knows her better, but... Moses just looks at her basically and then sees, oh yeah, she's a clever one. She's really good at what she does. So um, she, he was really uh, a lot quicker on the uptake. <laughs> I really like that. That's a good point. Um, I also liked in the very first episode, right as Eliza gets out of jail and is going, she gets a note from somebody in jail, I think. And then she goes to the preacher on those, um, who's on the soapbox on the street. And he says, trust in Moses. And she thinks he's just talking about biblical Moses, trust in Moses. And then we see that she's going to the bar to find the, I don't remember her name from- Laura Sims. Yes, Clara. And so the other one, um, the one-eyed prostitute. Delilah. Delilah. Yes, thank you, Lindsay. Yes. This is why you're on this podcast. <laughs> Delilah, she says, oh, just ask Moses. And so trust in Moses. And then if you need to find somebody, go to Moses. And so that kind of set the tone when I rewatched the season I was like, oh, that sets a tone for Moses, that Moses, you trust in Moses, that you go to Moses when you need something. And so when I rewatched it, I, that firmly, even more firmly put Moses in my heart. And it's just like, I love this character that I just, I just want a, a season full of Moses, just a show maybe for, for Moses. And I just I love Moses, you know, just Moses. You know, he's got a big fan in you. He does. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Moses. I mean, I am. So, yes. So, any anything else about Moses that anyone wants to talk about? I quite enjoy the fact that there is actually a lot of similarities between Moses and Eliza in the sense as you've said that there's this both of them can use to their advantage this stereotype of who they're supposed to be and also they're both going through similar problems they're both have money issues how how do I pay my bills how do I keep a roof over my head you know how do I get information when I don't necessarily have the best means to go about finding it and 
Rachel has often said about William and Eliza being the mirror image of each other. Well, actually, in some ways, Moses and Eliza are quite mirror imaging in terms of their journey in the show and the, the goals that they've got to get through because they've both got quite difficult headwinds to go against in life. So I like the fact that as different and as opposite as they seem in him being this kind of tall, larger than life, scary guy and her being the image of this small, petite, weak woman, you know, it, they're, they're polar opposites, but actually their lives are actually quite similar. And I think that's why they get along. They, they understand the struggles that each other are going through. And even in episode two, Eliza is a bit, I don't have much sympathy for you because I'm going through the same thing. And I think there's that commonality between them whereby they are both struggling and they are both just trying to find a way through life and work with the hand that they've been dealt. I don't think Moses particularly fits in with the criminal world. I don't necessarily believe that's where he would want to be. So because of that, I think he quite likes Eliza and the fact that she's maybe showing him that it is possible to do things in a different way. And there are people out there who are willing to take you seriously. And I think that they meet in the middle very nicely. Mm -hmm. I had a question like myself. I had a question at what point in the series or season did you realize that Moses wouldn't double cross Eliza, that he was trustworthy in the sense that she could go to him and he won't take her money or not do what she asked. Was there a certain scene or task? For me, I'm not sure. I don't think, I think I always kind of felt like he was on her side in a way. I think when we got to the end of episode five and, and, you know, there's that, is Moses involved? And, and, I'm not sure I ever really thought, "Mm, yeah, he probably is. I think I was always erring on the side of, "Mm, I think that's a bit of a red herring. But that could also be part of the, I actually don't want him to be part of this criminal (laughs) gang and have, because I kind of have gotten to like him. And, you know, he's, I I think it was kind of a wishful thinking and a hoping that actually, I, I don't mind you. I'd like you to stick around. I like the fact that, Eliza's got somebody to to kind of back her up in a way when maybe particularly William isn't around she's got somebody who can protect her in a way so yeah I think I kind of always hoped that perhaps he was going to toe the not toe the line but you know what I mean he was gonna he was gonna be a good one mm-hmm. Isabel Amanda Ray what for me I think it was around episode four where I was like okay because I forgot the exact details, but it was sort of the plot line where he could have taken advantage of the situation, but he didn't. Also, too, in episode five, I mean, that case was so outlandish. To me, I was I was like, okay, there's no way that Moses could pull this off. It, 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 the, the whole, the prison stuff, all that stuff, I feel like he would stick out like a sore thumb in that scenario obviously the police would see him so it I, I didn't seem credible to me that he was involved and of course by 
the last episode was right on that. I was like, yeah, this is, I, I had a feeling like he, also too, um, that night when he went to Eliza's house and he was like, don't let him in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he kind of just, you know, he dealt with it and he didn't like press the situation further. He's like, I'm going to talk. I'm not really not here to do anything. You know, I could be here to do something worse, but I'm really not here for that. So that, you know, installs um, confidence in the viewer that yeah. he is, you know, that he is indeed trustworthy. Isabel? I think, I think actually I knew that he wouldn't be really a bad guy since the first episode that we met him. Because it mm-hmm. at first it seemed so obvious, like, oh my God, mm-hmm. he's the bad guy. He's working in that nightclub. He's shouting at the girls. And it, it just, it was so cliche and stereotypical that I thought, okay, there, there has to be something else behind it. That's not the whole truth. And then when he... um this was I was going to say this with my favorite episode or favorite uh, most scenes um <laughs> the scene where he he just laughs and and tells Eliza oh I think I like you um I think that was the moment where I thought okay those two they're going to team up and they're going to make a great team and he's going to help her I don't know I was just sold <laughs> for and I never bought that whole, like, he is the baddie and he did all that in episode five. So that was like, okay, there's no way he did it because it's just too easy and too obvious. Um, there has to be somebody else. And yeah, my first <laughs> my first uh, thought who it could be was actually the right one. That's <laughs> because <laughs> uh, you have spidey senses. Yes. Um, well, I always, the f- first moment I saw Moses, I thought, yeah, this guy is not going to be what he seems. He's not going to be a true bad guy. But it wasn't, so I trusted him naively, I guess. And it turned out I was right to trust him. But it wasn't until. I guess several fan talks or just in the group that we were talking or just us talking that I don't know who it was, it's probably Isabel that pointed out that Rupert's club or Rupert's group met at the club on Wednesdays, Tuesdays or Wednesdays, I don't know. And Moses was the doorman and so he knew what they were doing and knew what why they were meeting and he didn't sell them out and so to me that is very that is supremely and ultimately trustworthy in my eyes that he didn't sell out Rupert's group and what they were doing and so to me that cemented my trust in him and that has nothing to do with Eliza I mean and that was post-show and so yes my trust in him early on just because I loved the character it proved yeah he's trustworthy um thank you Rachel for making him trustworthy because I would have been heartbroken if he wasn't but then just the fact that that's another layer that we find out that yeah okay, he trusts this woman and gets along with this woman, 
I trust that she's doing the right thing for herself. But also he's this group that's meeting that's homosexuals in the club. And he's not, you know, going to the police and telling him, them that this illegal club is meeting. To me, that's like the ultimate, okay, signed, sealed, and delivered. It, he's trustworthy for life. Ultimately, he's, I would trust him with anything. So it wasn't a specific scene, but it was just later when we were talking about it. And I was like, oh, wow, Moses really is the ultimate Renaissance man. He doesn't care. And he's, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but he's trustworthy. If you give him a secret, he's going to go to his grave, I guess. I don't know if it's a monetary thing. He's getting paid really well to keep the secret or not, but he's keeping it and that's fine with me. So to me, there was a bit of an affinity there because you think about it, their society has told people that people like Rupert are bad, but to him, Moses is like, they're just different type of people, but they're still people. And he didn't, I think part of him is also, I think part of him might actually just see the commonality in that as well. But mm-hmm. also, I think, also, it could be practical. Like, hey, they're paying me a lot. I mean, I'm just going, you know, whatever. It's like, I'm just going to look the other way and no, I didn't see anything. But it <laughs> could also, to me, it, but I also had a theory, but it could just be an affinity thing as well. But yeah, that was also a big, a big indicator. I'm like, yeah, that, if he was to sell out Rupert's club, like, that would have made him so much money. They would have loved, they would have loved to rest through his career. So that was definitely another indication that he was not going to be he was not what we thought he was in the beginning. Yeah. That was a huge light bulb moment for me when I realized, oh my God, Moses knows that Rupert is gay because that was in one of our conversations in the Scarletiers group on Facebook, just mentioning it. <laughs> There's a Scarletiers group on Facebook and we do have great conversations there. Yeah, so we had this conversation and suddenly I realized that it was as I said, a huge light bulb moment. And and then I also realized, oh my God, he's so trustworthy. I mean, whether it's like he's getting paid money for it or if he just, yes, sympathizes with them, we don't know. Maybe it's a bit of both. But yeah, I also believe that Moses is 1000% trustworthy. So if you tell him a secret, he's going to keep it forever. Okay, um, let's talk about um, Victorian times, the Jamaican or Caribbean people, the life or lives they could have lived in Victorian London. Um, Amanda Ray, do you have a little bit of info about their lives that they could have lived? I have pieces of information because there's a book oh. that I've been wanting to read forever and I haven't gotten to it yet. Um, <laughs> let me just make sure I have the correct title before. I before people can't find it. Um, I know the author is making sure it's the correct title. There we go. Okay, perfect. All right. It's called Black Victorians, Black Victoriana by Gretchen Holbert Grazina. And she basically has all these. There's a sister volume about Regency and Georgian London. So the this volume is a whole ton of 
primary sources, secondary sources, the law records, the courts, everything about how they might have lived. Unfortunately, there would have been people like Moses on the outskirts just because of the fact that by this point, racism is very entrenched. And although in the United States, we like to think about like the Jim Crow era, like that's not quite how the law worked in the UK, but there was still social barriers to many different sort of many white collar jobs, if you will. They were probably, many of them were probably, if they weren't in poverty and a criminal element, they might have been various forms of labor, like shipbuilding or that industry, like hauling things. Um, you'd all, for women, a lot of times would be just domestic servants. Also, you could definitely, some folks involved in, in um, selling things on the street or, you know, working for various merchants. There's definitely a wider scope compared to certain eras because now in the 1880s you have UK coming in contact with all sorts of people by the colonies like trade was going back and forth there's a whole yeah you can there were definitely there were even people there were even black performers who would come to London and set up set up shop unfortunately this era of course there's still a lot of like discrimination but there was also there were also possibilities to carve a life out I think Hopefully, season two will see Moses attempt to do this. That I mean, or he could. He yeah. There are there are opportunities, but there are also limited. One thing that's not really clear is how much schooling, like formal schooling, did he get? Because in this era, obviously, women didn't really get a lot. But it's not clear if he knows how to read. Or, I mean, we're not sure how he knows. He he's. We're not sure how literate he is. Like he can read things, but it's like to have an advanced degree of some sorts. I'm not sure if that's responsible even. But yeah, there's the certain careers would be blocked to him because of that. So it would be interesting to see how they would fare. And of course, because it's the industrial revolution, there were tons of people involved in factory work. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot. That book would I haven't gotten to it yet because I haven't started reading her other volume on Regency England. And yeah, there's definitely a lot there. Probably enough to make its own period drama, I would assume. That would be nice to have a that kind of period drama. Nice. So somebody get writing that. Um, what's a favorite Moses scene? Um, everybody, Lindsay, you go first. I mean, I think it's really tricky. I think there's a couple of contenders. Obviously, there's the scene in in Eliza's kitchen with William, which, you know, I think everybody kind of, we have a little heart for that one because it is Moses kind of telling William, I don't really care what you think, Um, which is quite, it's quite interesting. It's quite cheeky and you know, I think we can all agree Moses just has the best cheekiest grin. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it just sort of lights up his eyes, and there's just something about that scene where he's just like, "I really don't care who you are. I'm going to do what I'm going to do." And I think he's not thinking of her himself. He's thinking in some ways more about Eliza, and he's not really bothered. And I love how William's trying to be all, uh, I'm, I'm this big and in, important inspector. And he's just like, nah, 
whatever. Yeah. William puffs himself up like all big and, you know, shrugs his shoulders up and... He's like, for whole, I think he's like trying to be the size of the door frame. And yeah. to be fair, M- Moses isn't a great deal smaller than than William in, in some mm-hmm. ways. So it's really not going to work. Yeah, I like that Moses says that flattered that you take such an interest in me. He mm-hmm. said that line and I just smiled and grinned. I'm like, Moses, you're such a, you know, cheeky bastard. I'm like. But, you know, it's partly that it's, it's, it's yeah yeah it, it's the kind of the way he just kind of puts that coin on the table mm-hmm. and it's interesting when it it feels like Moses has a lot of understanding for the outsiders and in terms of as you say about Rupert's group and and also I think he also understands women quite in the way he's his role as security is to protect the girls and uh, from punters and things. And I think that kind of goes to why he supports Eliza quite quickly. Um, but yeah, I think there's just something in that scene where he's just, I don't really care. You don't scare me. Get on with it. Amanda Ray, what's a favorite scene for you? Oh, that is tricky. Tricky, tricky, tricky. Um, I did like, I did like the the first time Moses, I think it was episode two, where he tried to explain the trinket that was from his father, but it wasn't later revealed later on. I like the way he I like the way he sold that story. <laughs> it was very, it was very, you know, a more serious side to him, but I, I like the way he and then of course at the end of the episode he revealed that, okay, no, that wasn't entirely true, but I had good intentions. I I like those two those two scenes where they play together. Mm-hmm. Isabel, I already mentioned one of them, um, yeah. and the other one is well. Actually, I love all of them. That was my initial answer. I just love all of them. Don't all make them. me choose. Yes. <laughs> but um, my other favorite scene maybe is um, actually the scene with the little girl when the girl opens the door and just have this huge black man standing there and uh, grinning down at her. I mean, it's so cliche, but it was so funny. Like, it made me laugh out loud. Mm -hmm. Don't judge me. (laughs) (laughs) One of mine is the scene where he sneaks into Eliza's house with William sleeping in the next room. It's not really a funny scene. It's the serious scene where he shows... A lot of trust in Eliza and he shows that deep honesty with Eliza about how he didn't steal those counterfeit bills. He's not part of that counterfeiting scheme that he's innocent and he's really pleading his case and it shows that he really values Eliza's honesty and other people's value for him he tries to be this lone wolf kind of character and here he is saying i didn't do this you know eliza believe me and he's being honest i mean yeah he's begging for his life but he could just cut and run he doesn't need to stay in london he could just run somewhere else or just hide somewhere else in london but he goes to eliza 
and says, Eliza, please believe me, I didn't do this. He says, oh, I could go and kill William in the next room. But he just sits there, you know, it's not like he's jumping and, you know, oh, I'm going to kill William. And she's like, no, you're not. And, you know, he's like, no, I won't. And it's just another layer of Moses that he tries to put the stereotype on, on this big, scary criminal. I don't need anybody, but Eliza, you've become this person that you can help me. Please don't believe this. And she's like, I don't believe it. You know, I really liked that scene that he goes to her and wants her opinion trust her to help him out of this. And it just is really nice to see. So that was one of my favorite. And I also liked the end scene where William, you know, it's kind of like the beginning scene where he meets up with William and William says, leave her alone. And then this end scene, William says, leave her alone. And he's like, no, no, I won't. And he's got that grin again like in the first scene, so I have two scenes, so yeah. I have uh, a scene that I really want to see in season two, which of course involves Rupert. I mean, (laughs) what else could it be? Nobody's surprised. Um, But I really want to see them just meet somewhere in some way and then see their reactions, how they react to each other because Mm -hmm. there's this big secret between them and so far, only Eliza knows the secret, and it's it's going to be interesting, I think, uh, to see those two, if there's any kind of reaction or not. So yeah, just want to see that. Mm. The girl had it coming. I have to. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't very nice. She's a snowy little girl. The girl <laughs> totally had it coming. <laughs> any other favorite scenes? I think you mentioned all mine already. Yeah. All of them. I like Isabel's answer. All of them. We love all of Moses. Something else I noticed about Moses. I mean, it's not really a big revelation, but he's one of the characters where we only know one of his names. And we don't even know for sure if Moses is his first name or his last name. Could it be his last name? Could Moses be a last name? I don't know. And um, it he's... could be. It's just Moses. That was that's. It's fine. I never thought about it that until now. It's like, yeah, why don't we have his full last name? Although, in that era, it was common also for, especially people who are now coming out of the slave trade or whatever, to take on their own last names. Because if their last name was probably the whoever owned them before to like ditch it, mm. that was very common. So it, it, that is, I would say, it's probably the most possible answer why he doesn't use his last name. Because also, too, if he's hanging out with less than desirable, law-abiding, yeah, less yeah. law-abiding folks, they can probably trace his record if he, they knew his real last name too. So that could also be another reason. Like that's one less piece of information somebody can use to hold over me. Yeah. Or track me, track him down. I think William calls him this Moses character at some point. <laughs> that phrase is stuck in my head. So 
could be a first, could be a last name, and it's just Moses. Yeah. It's just Moses. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's talk about Ansu Kabia's filmography. He's a British actor who has done a few notable series, um, but not a whole lot. Um, we're desperately hoping he'll be in a ton more in the future. We don't have a whole lot to talk about. Um, we just have, I, have, I saw a couple, the regulars, it was a Netflix series. He played in one episode. He was John Cooper. He was a father of a boy whose teeth were stolen and the boy was cloned. Don't ask, just watch. Um, <laughs> it's a bit of a strange series, but yeah, it was very good fun. It was. It's hard to explain. So just there's actually watch. a few uh, Miss Scarlet and the Duke actors there that was. turn up in it. Yeah. It was like do a shot every time you see one of them. Yeah. Um, I think I think I counted four. I think that was my final count. Yeah, I think yeah. There's, there's but he was very good in it, and I think his accent is more of his British accent. Yeah, it was just the regular um, British accent. Yes, because I think that's the other thing to mention is that how surprised everybody was when um, we heard him speaking in the PBS promo. And it was, I think somebody in the group mentioned, yeah, I thought somebody had dubbed over Ansu <laughs> with this this voice, like, who is this voice? And and yeah, very yeah. It happens a lot um, with the PBS programs, actually, because again, quite a few people are putting on different accents versus like, mm-hmm. what they would normally sound like. Yep. There was a, yeah, uh, you, you all often find out who the Americans are. <laughs> yeah. Or vice yeah. versa. Yeah. I thought he was yeah, American. Or, no, he's British. Yeah. Or, yeah, or people who are like using like their, their normal accents and more heavy regional accent versus something like, you know, closer to received pronunciation or like standard British accent. There's mm-hmm. a lot of that too. Yeah. What I was impressed about, one of Ansu Kabir's principles, I was impressed about, actually, they also aired on PBS around the same time as The Scarlet and Duke. It's called The Long Song. It aired in England, I think, in 2017. So it's probably kicking around iPlayer or Ripbox. It was a short miniseries. Yeah, it was a short miniseries. See, we we tried to find this the other day because I'm in England and I was like, has it aired here? And it was obviously aired so long ago that it kind of bypassed me. And yeah, it's it's a BBC adaptation, but it's not actually on BBC iPlayer, which surprised me. Um, yeah, I the story in that project is very weird because I would I watched the first episode from you know the VPN things I do um, mm-hmm. on BBC, and then it took three years for us to get it on PBS. I was like, it only came there because the pandemic, of course, halts the productions on a lot of things. So 2020, a lot of like dripping piecemeal of things that were filmed like several years before. They're like, oh, we'll just air this now because we have nothing else to air. I'm like, okay. But it was very, the series is very much rooted. It's based on a, it is based on a novel by Andrew Levy, who is now deceased, unfortunately. She was writing sort of the story of Jamaican independence, and the characters in the book definitely could have been like Moses' family or his parents or his cousins. It, it was basically, um, Anson Kavis' character was the foreman 
on the on the plantation after freedom they were still working as like sharecroppers and he was the one that's like nope we're not working anymore for you you need to pay us you need to you know you need to give us more money and you should more fairly and they kind of held a strike and that he his character is definitely i forgot his character's name but it was definitely he definitely left impression on me when i saw it initially three years ago and then aired it they aired it again um there uh, finally on PBS in 2021. I was like, yes, I definitely appreciate it. Like, onto it. I just hope that he. Sometimes you know anything about the UK is that some of the, their best actors are often only the folks who get like seen as, oh, he's that guy in that thing. Having <laughs> like you're often the character actors versus like the folks who always get lead roles. So I hope, I hope Miss Scarlet will bring more lead roles to. Obviously, in the future. Definitely. Great. Definitely. It's James funny. Richards, it says his name was in the long song on no, no, IMDb. Yeah. Yep. Thank you for that. Yeah. It's also been a while. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that um, his character in the long song could have been like his ancestor or the ancestor to Moses. Because mm -hmm. I have a fun theory that when I watched the Irregulous episode with um, Antokabia, I thought that that character could be Moses from like 10 years before, because the series is set like about 10 years before Miss Scarlet and the Duke. And he's, he's a bodyguard, he's uh, married, he has a son, and then uh, his son is kidnapped. And I thought, oh my God, maybe this is um, like, the turning point in <laughs> Moses' life, he loses his family and then goes bad <laughs> in a way and changes his name into Moses and changes his accent into a Jamaican accent to make him more menacing or whatever. <laughs> so mm. I, we have his whole life, family life in his filmography. Yes. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Somebody write about it. Um, so, yeah, Ansu doesn't have a whole lot he's done. Um, he was also on World on Fire, the BBC, BBC oh, yes, I forgot World War II drama. Too. forgot he was in that, too. Oh, my gosh. That, that, that whole cast, there's so many people that, yeah, that, like, yeah oh, that was another great one. Yeah. Again, unfortunately, stuck in COVID post-production jail because they film outside the UK, so travel restrictions are still a thing i didn't watch it but i put it on the list because it's a fairly big series so we hope there's more that he'll be in in the future not that it'll take away from his scarlet but yep. you know i think he's also done a lot of theater which yes. won't show up on his imdb obviously and it's it's also something that well, if you don't know the actor, you won't be aware, especially if you live outside the UK. But mm. I, I've seen pictures, so he's he's done a lot of theater, and I I, I stalked his spotlight. <laughs> Somebody needs to do an ansukabiafans.co.uk. <laughs> <laughs> don't look at me! Don't look what? at me! <laughs> you're so good at it, for Andrew. But you're. You're the big fan. You're the big Anzukabia fan, so you have to do it. <laughs> I, I don't know anything about websites. I just do podcasts. 
Okay, um, let's move on to the fan questions. We have some several good questions from our fans. Question is from Siobhan on Facebook. What motivates Moses to help Eliza? So what do you think motivates Moses? We kind of talked about that we think maybe there is a little bit of a how he sees himself in Eliza or he sees the struggles. Do you think it's purely money motivation or do you think we've answered this question? Maybe. Mm, there's a lot of kinship between them. Yeah. I think that yeah. they, they do see some similarities between each other. And I think what we don't know is how many people have given Moses that level of respect that she kind of gives him and you know after like episode two she does like lose that ability of believing that he's this big criminal and she does trust him and she does kind of treat him with respect and he seemingly does the same to her from what we see so I think that there's an element of respect and maybe at first there was this oh okay she'll pay me because I think it, so at some point in episode two where we don't really see it, that, that something changes because obviously he becomes her debt collector. So maybe at first there was this element of, yes, I'll pay you to do it. Because you know, in, in fairness, he kind of lost his job because she chained him to a desk. So <laughs> she does sort of owe him one <laughs> in yeah. fairness. But I think perhaps what we don't, see because really between episode two and the end of episode five there's actually only one scene I think between them where she goes to um ask him for help on um uh Margaret Fairfax and that's a really short kind of scene so obviously I think we're supposed to believe at some point during those that time they kind of developed a relationship um so, yeah, I do think perhaps it started out as a monetary thing, but by the time you get to episode six, it's definitely they become a lot closer, even if we don't necessarily see it on screen. So I do think, you know, he, he's not in it just for the money. I think he does. He does really respect her. And I think that also stems from his nightclub work and you know, protecting the women and things. And I think he does deep down have a lot of respect for women. And, and obviously having seen, you know, some of the dancers and things and people that he would have to have, have um, looked after, I think that stems how he is with, with Eliza is that he's got a lot of respect, but he obviously a bit like William must know the danger that is out there, but he's one step removed from her to kind of go, no, you can't do it. I don't think you would ever see Moses go, no, Eliza, I think you need to step back. I don't think he would ever do that. I think, whereas William would. So mm -hmm. I think he's he's slightly removed. He's not as close to her to want to kind of stop her, um, if that makes sense. Yes. I also think that, um maybe he sees it a little bit as an adventure so yes he's getting paid for it but also this is something unusual like a female detective and the way that eliza is and uh, i think he he just thinks oh this is this is going to be fun like let's see how this pays
pays out. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's also kind of tweaking the nose of William and Scotland Yard. Kind of, he has to do this kind of, you know, under the table and sneak around the law. And I think he kind of likes that he gets away with it and that he that he kind of, you know, outwits Scotland Yard, that they don't get him time after time, that he's smarter. And so I think he likes that he has to outwit, you know, Scotland Yard. Maybe that's part of why he wants to help her. Yep. Uh, Madeline on Facebook um, asks, would he ever not do what she asks? My theory on this is if we if we had additional characters of color in a future season and if Eliza was asking him to betray other people's confidences or something that he felt would have caused more harm for people in his community, I think he would say no. But right now he's in isolation, so we don't really or we don't, not even so much community, he could even be, who knows, if he has an extended family somewhere we don't know about, or children, we don't know about that, like, something like that, I think he'd probably be like, eh, not so much. I'd say for now, like, until that conflict is in the story, we wouldn't know the answer of would he say no to something. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with that. I think at the minute, I don't think he would blindly go and just, you know, he's not a yes man. I don't think she could ask him to do absolutely anything and he'd just go, yeah, sure. I think, you know, he's he clearly has his own mind. And I think there would, like you say, if it comes to a conflict of actually this is going to cause me more harm, then I think maybe. But yeah, until we see the conflict in the show, who knows? Okay. Laurie on Facebook asks, will we ever see a darker side of Moses? Maybe I in hope season so. two. I love that kind of international man of mystery we don't know much of Moses and he's obviously got this far with his brains with his brawn and in some ways he kind of you know there's this image of of he's got a a rap sheet as long as William's arm apparently and you know he we don't he, he seems to have knowledge of a lot of things and be able to to get a lot of information and know where people are and he's got there somehow and I think that's slightly part of his backstory that I'd like to know about like is he really an opportunity just an opportunist who's got lucky or is there an element of you know he's actually smarter than he looks Mm -hmm. is he just a really good searcher who likes the yellow pages or does he really have connections (laughs) to the underground (laughs) Exactly. I I mean, you know, you'd like to think that he's got where he is based on something. Mm -hmm. The reputation isn't just falsehood, but has a little bit of truth to it. Yeah. Yeah. See what made him have that reputation. He's got there somehow. Mm hmm. Okay, uh, next question. This was asked by a few people on Facebook. So is William uh, right to be jealous of Moses as another man in Eliza's life? Like, 
William can't fill the gap as a protector or able to help her in many things. So does William have the right to be jealous of Moses? It's a tough one, isn't it? That is tough. I think, because thing is, it separate layers of jealousy. Is it romantic jealousy? Because I don't see a lot of that. But in terms of being that friend slash slash protector figure, likely yes, in that sense. But definitely, I don't think so. In, the, in a romantic sense, I definitely don't see it. Um, I think I think it's also situational too, because there are going to be times when William's doing whatever, and you know Moses is probably someone that she relies upon. Also, too, if it's a case where we have to deal with you know the underground world, uh, it'd be Mo- Williams to stick out like a sore thumb down there. So it's better to have Moses, you know, be the insult person. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't see it as a romantic kind of connection between them. I kind of feel like in terms of the story, that would make life a hundred times more difficult for both of them. So I'm not quite sure how that would work. But I do think he probably is a little bit jealous. Like you say, if if it's that kind of adventure of being with Eliza and going out and solving cases, you know, William wants to be that top dog. He he wants to be the one who's going out and solving crimes and being her protector and, you know, being the bravest man she knows. And and let's be honest, Moses has got to be pretty darn brave in in, in himself. He's got a good set of arms on him, so he's probably not too bad <laughs> in a fist fight. Um, so in some ways, I think, yes, there is an element of jealousy in that sense of, William's not always going to be able to be around to protect Eliza. And rather than being grateful that she's got somebody else, that, you know, there's somebody else who's looking out for her and there's somebody who, when push comes to shove, would he, I'm no doubt, I reckon Moses would get in the way of a bullet for her because they've become good friends by the end of season six, a uh, season six, end of episode six. <laughs> um, you know, I don't, I think, you know, rather than being grateful for the fact that she has that person who could drop everything and be around for her because quite clearly he must have been doing some sort of security job um at the end of episode six and he must have dropped everything to go and run and protect her when it came or meet her at frank's having no idea he could not have any idea what he was walking into to go and have a pole on him to hit frank over the head but he did it he dropped everything and he went there for her. And I think in some ways that's where we see that the, the slight shift in William that, okay, this guy just literally dropped everything and, and he did sort of save our lives. Um, so, yeah, I think there's going to, it's going to play into it, but I think romantically, probably not. Yeah, I agree that William, not it's not a romantic jealousy, but it's the, I, I want to be Eliza's, the one person that Eliza can trust in to be there to save her or help her. I don't want her to have to go to Moses for protection or help. Yeah, he want, William wants to be the one and only, not in a romantic sense, but as in, I want to be the one to protect her. I don't want this Moses character to be that role. But 
William is detective inspector in Scotland Yard. He can't be there all the time to protect Eliza or to help Eliza. So Moses has stepped in and can step in to help Eliza, to say save Eliza and has saved Eliza and William. And I think William is jealous and go on, William. We want Moses anyway. So <laughs> my thoughts. So. Yep. Um, okay. The last question, and this is kind of just uh, thoughts that what would you, what would you as a writer, what would you do or write, I guess. Okay. This is a question from Lisa on Facebook. What do you think brought Moses to London? Because he's kind of does this in episode two when he wants the snuff box. He creates kind of a backstory and then later says, oh, that wasn't true. Do you think it really wasn't true or did he have a moment of honesty? Yeah, honesty, I guess, where he honestly told his story and then said, oh, no, I don't want to be that open and honest with her. So it wasn't true. You know, I'm not going to be that. You know, what do you think brought Moses to London? Why is he in London? If you were the writer for season two or three and writing Moses's backstory. I would say the most logical response would be for employment opportunity or just to get a better life. Um, I would say it's the most logical reason. Now they want to make it interesting. I think they could have it where Moses separated from a relative or friend and he was trying to find them and he's still looking for the person even if they can't be found. So that would be an interesting twist on what would be the more obvious answer. I like the idea of a lost relative or friend. That would be interesting. Lindsay, what would you great if you were writing Moses's backstory as to why he was coming to London? I think I would try and come up with as many different possibilities and give him a different answer every time Ooh. because I like the fact that there is this element of Moses that as much as we trust him how much do we trust what he can say and I think he's quite a good storyteller and I think he could make you believe that the sky was green and <laughs> I just you know there's this element of me that's like I like the idea that Moses is just this international man of mystery we don't know what his backstory is it could be absolutely anything and he will spin it for you whatever way you want so I think I would probably try and come up with a, as many different um backstories for him as possible and let you kind of go, is that one true or is it mm -hmm. that one? I think I that like would be that quite one. fun. I like that. Isabel, what are you wanting to be Moses's reason to be in London? Totally agree with Lindsay. That would be <laughs> so funny. I have this um, like image in my head. Um, you've probably all know the show Sherlock. And mm -hmm. At the mm -hmm. end of season two, where uh, Sherlock jumps off the roof, mm -hmm. and then in season three, they try to explain what happened, why he's not dead, and they come up with all these different theories. 
which were basically all fan theories that came up in the years between season two and three. And they put them in the episodes and you don't, you just don't know which one is true. And they all seem not plausible. <laughs> like, <laughs> was he really able to pull that off? <laughs> but then you think like, oh, mm, he's Sherlock. So maybe. So you can pick your favorite story and say, okay, I think this one is true. And I want something similar for Moses. So you have different stories. Like maybe one time he will tell, oh, I have this younger sister and she got lost and I tried to find her. And that's how I ended up in, in London. And I ended up in this nightclub uh, trying to find my my baby sister. And then the next time he tells a totally different story and you just <laughs> pick the one you like. <laughs> I like that. Hear that, Rachel? This is what you need to do. Okay. <laughs> The podcast has spoken and we, it is word. Um, so, okay. Oh, uh, well, this was a good um, conversation on uh, just Moses. So um. I do have one other thing to add. You may yes. need to go with me on this one. Okay. We're, this. Buckle up. We're going to go on this ride with, with Lindsay. <laughs> well, I just, I just noticed something. Um, when I was re-watching Moses' scenes um, before we did this, and there's a lot of symbolism in this show, whether it's the colour of what the outfits are or the symbolisms and the mirror images of William and Eliza. But I found it really interesting that in episode three and in episode five, when Moses comes to Eliza's house, he both times he comes to the servant's door in the back in the kitchen and the mm -hmm. first time he's kind of there for money because he's done a job and the second time he comes he's there um because Eliza's giving him a job so basically it's kind of that symbolism of him being a bit of a servant and then come episode six we we know Rupert is Eliza's friend we see him in episode four sitting in the drawing room on the sofa and you get this real sense that Rupert and Eliza are good friends and come episode six, you see Moses in exactly the same rooms that you see Rupert. And it's that symbolism of how much Moses changes through the episodes that come episode six. He's pretty much in the same realm as Rupert in Eliza's mind. She sees him in the drawing room, which is where Rupert is hiding with Tilly. And you also see him in the dining room, which is where Eliza and Rupert have their little conversation and come the episode end of episode six he doesn't go out the servant's door he goes out the front door and it's William who lets him out the front door and I really kind of saw that and honed in on that symbolism of Moses is not any less important than Rupert or William in Eliza's life he's very much on a par with those two and I really liked that so I agree. That was, just, that was just my little insight that I found it really interesting that I was like, hmm, if we ever kind of thought, is he in it? Is he a friend? Is he a foe? I think that definitely tells us he's he's on Eliza's side and that's how she views him. She views him as on a par to everybody else. Yeah, because he, yeah, he... So you're going to go back and watch that now, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Because he puts himself at the servant's door. It's not yeah. like Eliza said, no. 
go to the servant store and Eliza, you know, directs, the, you know, where he goes into the dining room, into this, you know, drawing room, go out the front door. So yeah, it is very symbolic as to where Eliza views him in her life. Yeah, yeah. He might not believe he's of that importance, mm -mm. but she does. Yeah, that's a very good point, Lindsay. Thank you. Yeah, very good discovery. And that's exactly what I love about the Scholars that they discover all these little details about the show. And then it makes you realize how rich and um, deep this show is, really. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of thought that I think goes into it that perhaps on first viewing you don't notice. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, that was a really great ending point to the Moses podcast episode. So um, next month we're going to do fan appreciation. Um, that means we're going to talk about fan fiction, fan art, fans going above and beyond their love of the show. So it's going to be a really great one. So tune in next month for the fan appreciation. Thank you so much, Amanda Ray, for being our guest for this podcast. It was so much fun. Um, yeah, it was great. Thank and you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you have one for season two, I definitely have to come back. Yeah, definitely. Yay. Definitely. We will want you back. So we're going to keep you on repeat. So <laughs> okay. we'll all follow you in, on Twitter and Facebook and then we'll invite you back to the podcast. <laughs> definitely. Oh, thank you. Yes. Follow Amanda Ray and she will be back. We promise because we love her. <laughs> all right. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Scarlet Tears podcast. Music by Kevin McLeod. Incomatech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribute 4.0. License HTTP colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by forward slash 4.0 forward slash. Forward slash.